Hello there, and welcome to the Citizen ATX podcast. My name is Matt Gillum, and I'm glad that you are joining us here today as we are continuing our conversation on rivalries, talking about the tensions between the things that are in our secular world and in the spiritual world. Uh, I've loved this series especially because it has been a kind of a, not a test case, but a... um, uh, one of the main points of what we've done, wanted to do with this podcast of comparing our lives in the city that we live in on this earth versus the heavenly city that we are a citizen of. So today on the podcast, I have with me Jonathan Spencer. Hey, Jonathan. Howdy, Matthew. Today we are going to be hitting a rivalry that also borrows a thousand dollar term. Right? Okay. We're gonna be we're gonna be going in deep as we're talking about legalism versus licentiousness. Try saying that six mm. times fast. Licentiousness. All right, so Jonathan, what are we talking about here? What what do these what do these terms mean, and how is it that these are a, an actual rivalry in our world? It comes down to, I guess, understanding of of the law of Scripture, of of commands from God, and really how does that pertain to the everyday Christian life? And mm-hmm. people, uh, two extreme different camps uh, that sometimes oppose each other within church circles. One would be the camp of license, licentiousness, mm-hmm. what you said. But if you are advocating license, what that would mean is you have license to sin, to basically act a fool because Jesus is going to forgive you regardless, because mm-hmm. that is the gospel, which is radical grace, that mm-hmm. that we're saved by grace through faith, not through works. So if, if Jesus really is my Savior and he's going to forgive me of everything anyway, then why does it really matter if I go do fill in the blank? That, that yeah. would be somebody with a, with a mind of licentiousness. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have legalism, which legalism is requiring people to do things that God does not require. It's adding to faith at the end of the day. It's adding things. Um, mm-hmm. Because if our faith makes us righteous, and it's only through our faith that, that we are made clean, sometimes people will add things to that faith, that yes, faith, but also you have to do this. And it's not a moral commandment from Scripture. Mm. Usually it's a secondary or gray area of the mm. Bible, or frankly, just something made up culturally, but, yeah. but but that somehow is lumped into that idea of righteousness that we're supposed to to pursue. And consequently, some people say you have to do these things or you're not really walking with God. I always loved the old uh, adage of don't dance, drink, or chew, or date girls that do. Pretty it's kind much. of a, yeah, <laughs> kind of example. A, which also, you know, the, the mental picture of dating somebody and going to town on some chaw is a pretty, pretty gross mm-hmm. thing. But okay, so, you know, th- we're, we're, we're using these big theological terms that talk about this and this idea of, um, of grace abounding and things like that. But I, I think, you know, w- when it really comes down to it, we have to kind of start to understand. Well, how how does this actually come into play in our in our normal everyday lives? You know, as we're considering the tension and the rivalry that stands here, um, because you know we're 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 now not necessarily Pharisees themselves who made up what is it six hundred thirteen mm-hmm. other laws? Was it six hundred thirteen laws or what? I can't remember. There's the, over that many in the Old Testament. Yeah, then they added. Yeah, they added a whole bunch of extra laws yeah. to to. Uh, basically make super righteousness that, mm-hmm. hey, you know what, if you follow the law, you're righteous, but you know what, you can do better. <laughs> <laughs> I love the the one especially uh, with with regards to the Sabbath where they the, the, the added law was, the, well, the first law was that on the Sabbath you shouldn't work. So then they added the law, well, you're not allowed to spit on the Sabbath. Yeah. Because if you spit, the spit then plows the ground, mm-hmm. which is labor and work, so therefore you'd be violating the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Now, for us, that sounds ridiculous, but when you consider the idea that, hey, you know what, um, unless you follow every nth of the law and every everything about even this, what, what's the perceived spirit of the law, uh, you're, you know, you're going to hell. I mean, it definitely 
ups the ante a little bit. Right. So in our everyday lives then, how did we get to the point where this has become a rivalry? Or I mean, it's already been a rivalry, but why is it the way it is right now for us? Well, I think partly it's because uh, there's different kinds of churches in the world that mm-hmm. teach different things. I think that might be one reason why is there mm-hmm. are some churches that are legalistic, that, that will say you have to do these things to be right with God, and it has nothing to do with faith, and it really has nothing to do with directives from the Scripture. For instance, mm-hmm. just to give a few examples, if you're going to be right with God, a legalist would say, well, you have to wear a suit when you go to church and a tie, or God's upset. You have to sing hymns. You have to read from a King James Version Bible. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, not watch our rated movies. You can never drink any wine or beer or God's really upset with you. Uh, You have to do this and that, this and that. And there's a long list, but we've all heard these kind of lists, but the expectation that you do all this stuff, there's some churches that operate that way. Mm -hmm. So that creates a culture within Christianity. Uh, But then on the other side, there are churches that are I would call hyper, uh, uh, hyper, uh, what would be the right word? I guess they, um, where they, where they, they proclaim grace, which we all do, but they do it in a way that's not serving well the text. For instance, they'll say, just come as you are, mm-hmm. and that means really, yeah, just do anything you want. And we yeah. don't care. I mean, just be who you want, do what you want. We'll never correct you. We'll never tell you what you're doing is wrong because yeah. we're full of grace and mm-hmm. make whatever decisions you feel like are best. Well, and it's not full-on universalism because it still would claim that Christ right. is what, who one who saved us, and then there's only salvation found in him. But, you know, leaning so heavily on that, that there's a, a, um, an, a an ignoring of the negative consequences that follow with sin and also the negative consequences on your witness in the, in the world. And there's no, there's no spiritual discipline in those kind of churches, for instance, mm-hmm. where they're, they're not pursuing you to become anything. They're not pursuing mm-hmm. you to become more like Christ. They're just pursuing you to love Christ. But if you love Christ, Jesus says you'll obey his commandments. So mm-hmm. that part's kind of missing in that camp. But I, I guess my point is, why is this a conflict to answer your questions? Because, Churches sometimes operate on one of those two extremes mm-hmm. where they're uh, all about grace to that point where they never really push you to do anything. And then there's some that all they do is push you and they offer no grace really yeah. at all. Well, and I think also, you know, culturally, part of the reason why this has developed is because, we, you know, we as millennials are coming out of the period of the, what I would say was the peak of youth ministry, right? I mean, you even you had a an actual movement called True Love Waits, which was talking about not having sex before marriage, and to the extent of getting like wedding rings of you know or purity rings that said, "Hey, I'm not going to do this," and making cards and commitments, and um, you know, there, there's a whole spectrum of things on that. And one of the big things that you, that I've seen, at least in a lot of contemporary culture, church culture, is a um, a uh, reaction against that, right? Yeah. That where you you have some bloggers who are saying that it's actually you know that purity culture itself is actually sinful and stuff like that, which I don't necessarily buy. But I mean, it, but it, I, I think that because for our, at least our generation, a lot of pe- there were, there was a lot of people that were in church that were that were in that kind of a culture and that that culture supported do things in a straight-laced way. Like, I always I always like to make the joke of, obey the rules to the extreme! <laughs> that, that was like youth ministry in the 90s. But, I mean, it, it seems to be the case that people are so colored by that form of, of uh, ethic in life that now they've pushed the pendulum far to the other side and that in, in reaction to what they grew up in, they now want to express that freedom and grace in Christ to the extent that they are actively participating in sin 
because they want to express that grace. Right. So, I mean, do you, do you feel like that's on point or off? Yeah, or there's been a tension in culture, and, yeah. and I think it has caused a problem these days. But I think, I think what has to be, I guess, clarified is that there are moral directives that the Bible gives mm-hmm. us. There are clear commandments that the scripture that does carry into our lives of the do's and don'ts. There are mm-hmm. some of those. Um, it's all covered by grace. So, mm-hmm. so ultimately our faith makes us righteous, but because we are made righteous, we're called to walk in holiness and we're mm-hmm. called to obey scripture. The problem is that that, that, outward act of obedience of these right righteous things we're doing it's supposed to stem from a relationship and a desire to honor God for who he is and what he's done we now obey him and submit to him because mm-hmm. we know he's worthy and we also know his way is best yeah but what what happened in that culture to your point is all that got left out where mm-hmm. it was just you're supposed to do this stuff so do yeah. it um and and the relationship with God was was missed and overlooked in a lot of ways and so then you just had people just doing rules and yeah. they were just they were looking like Christians but not actually Christians and then eventually they were like well I'm tired of acting like this and well, they it, got done with it it got into the, the even the world of um status symbols of, mm-hmm. of your, your Christianity. It's like, what kind of a, a cross were you wearing or what kind of, uh, what kind of Christian t-shirt did you have? And uh, like, what camps did you go to? And I mean, it, it's interesting too. I think that, that there, while, while we've been talking about the people who reacted against this, I've also seen people who have just continued to, to dive deeper into it, the older they get. And mm-hmm. to where you have churches that are so obsessed with this, the idea of discipleship as Bible study that they reject anything that is that's less than seminary level yeah. Bible study, even yeah. though that, that may not be where the majority of people who are unsafe are coming from. Yeah. Um, but there there is a, a viewpoint in there of, well, yeah. this was right when I was a kid, so therefore it must still be it must be more right as an adult, and I'm just mm-hmm. gonna lean heavier into this legalistic understanding of what it is to, to live in faith. And I think that that tension comes out because you know we're as human beings, we, we want to know what to do, right? Mm-hmm. like we 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 so often look to the Bible as, well, what's the checklist of what I need to do to be okay and to live a good life and to be happy and to be rich and, you know, all these things. And so we go back to the Bible to try to find that, and we come out with a series of different ethics to be able to get us there. Um, and that's a tension because, because people, people inter- interpret it differently. People come from different family backgrounds. I mean, I, you even talking about the alcohol one, um, you know, growing up in the South, teetotalism is a large cultural stream where there's this idea that if you even sip alcohol, you're going, you're on the straight express train to hell. Um, in other, but then in other cultural contexts, say Wisconsin (laughs) or the Czech Republic, I mean, it, it, that is uh, drinking alcohol is like drinking water. It's Mm. something you do at a family function. It's something you do as being a host is offering that to somebody. And, you know, kind of to present an extreme of that, like I've seen people before who, upon going into a home and being offered alcohol because they're the person's just trying to be a nice person and a good host, they just they get insulted that they were even offered it. Yeah. And it's like and and so when I look at that, I'm like, man, that's that's feels to me like it's going overboard. Whether you think alcohol is a positive thing or not to drink, but to refuse someone's hospitality or to get or to even to cast anger on them because they tried to offer that to you. I, I don't know. There's something that's the anger part. That. Yeah. That's the anger part's the, the most concerning part of that story in particular. Cause, yeah. cause I think what 
we miss is that in Christianity, we, we're given so much freedom. Sometimes mm-hmm. people think Christianity is a very constraining religion that, that, mm-hmm. that deprives you of experiences and makes you do just a few things and you're robbed of all these other things. Jesus says in John 10, 10, that he came to give us life and life abundantly. Mm-hmm. And so with our, with our lives in Christ, we are given really licensed to use that word to make a whole lot of choices. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we make everyday choices all day, every day, and we are given so much permission just to take the principles of scripture and, and, and the conviction of God's word and the helper, the Holy spirit in our heart to lead mm-hmm. us and make decisions all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that leads to people making different decisions on things. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think a lot of people uh, have to come to the understanding of is there are things in our life that are a little bit gray. Like mm-hmm. there's there's different opinions and you can be equally Christian on, mm-hmm. uh, but also because of that, it comes down to our conscience on some issues. Yeah. And and that with alcohol being a good example that you bring up there, mm-hmm. because I would argue it is sin for some to drink it mm-hmm. because it leads them to dark places. They get drunk. It leads to bad habits and the Holy Spirit's made it crystal clear. This is not for you. Yeah. Uh, or it causes others to stumble because of their platform and their position and what mm-hmm. they're doing, or it causes their legalistic brother to stumble, which yeah. Romans 14 speaks to that, that you actually mm-hmm. accommodate your legalist brother. So yep. for some, the Holy Spirit tells us don't do it, and it would be sin. But to your point on the other side, is it that way for everybody? No. Yeah. I, I, and and that being a perfect example of that, then that sometimes there are these gray areas in in the world, and we don't like that because we want everything mm-hmm. to be black and white and yeah. for us to be on the right side of the road, but but mm-hmm. there's some things that, yes, they are a little bit gray. Well, we say we want it to be black and white until we find ourselves on the wrong side exactly. of the equation, right? Exactly, exactly. And I, I think a lot of it, you, you, know, you made that statement about conscience. I'd also say motivation, right? Mm-hmm. That we, we, we often want to try to justify our motivation for doing something and say, well, you know, it's just, it's not, God said that everything's permissible, not, or not God, Paul, Paul, God through Paul said everything is uh, permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Um, and we, we want to look at, we have a motivation to do something, but then we cover it in that idea of grace. Right. And, right. Um, they're like for some people, they know, man, if I, if I drink, it's going to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for a lot of Southern Baptists, if I glut myself on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> watching football, it's going to make me feel better, so then I'm going to do that. And thereby, we gloss over the fact that <laughs> obesity, well, obesity caused by gluttony is a sin. Yeah. It, just, it just clearly is in Scripture, and it's connected to greed. Um, yeah. And so with that, I mean, we I think the question, we, we so often want to look at the actions, but we ought to question the motivation mm-hmm. that, you know, we— Every choice that we make is a decision based off of some desire or want inside ourselves. Um, and we got to ask ourselves, why are we doing it? I, I think one of the big areas that this comes to bear is the classic youth ministry thing of watching R-rated movies, right? Mm-hmm. If anyone on here listening is a youth minister, you've always battled with the the church bus rules. Uh, yeah. well, you got to find, you got to find somehow find G-rated movies that don't make you feel like you want to jump off a cliff. <laughs> um, it, it, it's very difficult to do, but the rea- the I think the reality is that as part of of art, there are a lot of movies that are rated R that are important pieces of art for our world. I would argue that the movie The Godfather is an important piece of art. It's an American tragedy. It's beautiful, <laughs> but it's rated R. So you know, I have to question my motivation into going to watch the movie. Am I watching? Am I coming to this movie to watch it? Because I want to experience a piece of art, learn learn a story, experience this story of an American tragedy, 
Or am I going to it because I want to watch someone get their head blown off or watch somebody having sex on a television? Um, I think what it calls us to do is to be very honest with ourselves about our motivations of why am I watching this? What am I, why am I doing this? I'd also say you, one of the big things that you have to ask yourself is, can I live without it? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're making a decision about something because you can't live without it, then you probably are entering the, the area of addiction at that point. Well, and I think it also comes down to you have to analyze is it causing you to sin? And because yeah. a lot of sin is internal, it's yeah. in our hearts. And that mm-hmm. that's that's the reality that we're told God doesn't look to the outward appearances as man does. We're mm-hmm. told he looks to our hearts. And so even using movies, for example, that's, that's a good example. Say there's a show, Game of Thrones, big mm-hmm. controversial show that's been mm-hmm. out there that a lot of people have watched. Yeah. I will tell you, I did not watch that show. Yeah, and and the reason I did not watch that show wasn't because it's whatever, TVMA or whatever. I've watched some TVMA shows mm-hmm. before. I did not watch that show in particular because I, I know, based on what people have said, that people are having sex in pretty much every episode. At, yeah. least, at least that's the way I'm, I perceive the show. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I know if I watch that show, that will cause me to lust. It will yeah. cause me to stumble and dishonor mm-hmm. my wife and my mm-hmm. covenantal vows. So I choose not to watch that because mm-hmm. that will cause sin in my heart. Yeah. Um, you have to have an honest assessment. Yeah. And, our, and I would argue using that one specifically, like generally any of us watching sexual things on screen, it's all causing sin. It is yeah. wrong. And it comes down to, I think you have to start when you're making the decisions, well, can I or can I not? Because mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, I've said a thousand times on this, all things are lawful, not all things are helpful. Mm-hmm. Then is it right or wrong? I think you first have to ask the question, Is does this dishonor or does this disobey God's word? So then first of all, you have to know God's word, mm-hmm. which the Old Testament, really the law is broken up into really three primary categories. There's different ways you could spell it out, but mm-hmm. but I would argue there's civil laws. They don't apply. Those were Israel's laws. They aren't applying to us today in mm-hmm. Texas in 2023. There's ceremonial laws. Those mm-hmm. are not applying to us because Christ has made us pure and righteous. We don't mm-hmm. have to follow those Old Testament laws. But there are moral laws, and those moral laws still do apply. And then they're reinforced, those moral laws, through the New Testament, both through the teaching of Jesus Christ as well as through the apostles. Mm -hmm. So you look to those moral laws, which we are still under, while we are ultimately saved by grace, those laws are still for our good, and Mm -hmm. and they bring glory to God. So you have to ask yourself, am I going to disobey God's Word by doing this? If the answer is yes, then don't do it. For instance, watching that movie, in my case, the answer Mm -hmm. is yes. Don't do it. Yeah. But then if the answer is no, mm-hmm. which that is the case sometime on decisions, well, then I would say the the following up questions is, will this glorify God and mm-hmm. will it help other people? Mm-hmm. Those are two good follow-up questions because yep. if it's not going to bring glory to God, then you probably don't need to do it. And then mm-hmm. if it's going to be hurtful to other people, then you definitely don't need to do it. And yeah. those are principles from Scripture. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that because, I mean, you know— it, it comes. It does. It still comes down to the why, because ultimately, you're, you know, when you're watching it, you you will know in yourself why you're doing it, and, um, you know, it, it, what kind of guardrails are you placing up against your own weaknesses and things like that. You know, one of the things one of the things that I've observed a lot from people coming out of people who grew up in very very strict homes, especially when it, with regards to alcohol, is a almost over focus on it right mm-hmm. so like i've watched it happen before where um somebody will have grown up in a home where they never drank at all and then they just can't shut up about it when you're yeah. at, at a dinner and they're just talking and talking and talking and talking and, and at a point i look at them like what who cares it, it, it's kind of like wearing a letter jacket after high school like 
big freaking deal. Like, I mean, it, but what, what it shows is an insecurity there. And then again, we, 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 we make that question about people's motivations. Are you, so the question is, are you drinking because are, are you enjoying a drink because you enjoy the taste of it because it is very tasty to you? Or are you doing it to say, to set, to, um, say an expletive toward your parents <laughs> and toward, uh, toward feelings of resentment that you didn't, get to participate in this growing up. And on the other yeah. side of, on the, uh, on the other side, are you not drinking because mm-hmm. you believe that's the conviction God's led you to mm-hmm. through scripture or you're not drinking so you can feel better about yourself than everybody else. Yeah. Cause, cause that's the danger also on the legalism side. And by the way, I would never just advocate for people to drink and say, yeah, we all should drink. Cause yeah. actually I think alcohol causes more problems than yeah. help than helps most people. So mm-hmm. I hope you hear my voice on that. But for the legalist, what happens naturally is we set rules that aren't really rules mm-hmm. and we start applying those rules and we do it under the, uh, idea, the perception that we're doing this to honor God, but it becomes about honoring ourselves. That really mm-hmm. is the, and that's why Jesus spoke so much into it when he would address the Pharisees. He'd call them whitewashed tombs mm-hmm. because they were cleaning everything up and looking like everything was good, but it was all dead inside. And yeah. and even the Pharisees, when they set the legalistic standards in the New Testament, when you see that where they kept adding these rules, it's interesting how they got there because a lot of it was reactionary to the exile in mm-hmm. Babylon. And so when Israel was exiled, they did not follow the law. And God right. said, follow the law, you're going to be punished. And he yeah. meant what he said. So they were then sent off for 70 years into captivity. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem's destroyed. And that led to grief and repentance. It led to, yeah. to them saying, we need to, we're sorry, we don't want this. Mm-hmm. And God redeemed them. But what happened as a reactionary to a lot of that is that people said, well, these are clearly the rules now. Mm-hmm. We don't want to ever break those rules again, so we're going to set hundreds of other rules on top mm-hmm. of those rules to make sure we don't break the real rule. Yeah. We're going to set these other layers, and that's what we still do to this day. Like yeah. There are those rules that I mentioned earlier that, that God does give us in Scripture, tells us don't do these things. They're going to mm-hmm. hurt you, yeah. um, and we shouldn't want to break those. Yeah. But what a lot of people did over the years was they set all those other rules, and then they used those rules as the measuring stick for their righteousness, mm-hmm. just like the Pharisees. Uh, and ultimately, it's a facade, uh, yeah. and, and God sees through it, and so do other people that are around them. Well, and rea- reactionary thinking, I think, winds up leading to a lot of corruption and resentment and things like that. And I think, you know, one of the things, one of the passages that I've always pulled from when it comes to this is uh, from the book of James, where he says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. That was always an eye-opening one for me because James is saying, look, you know, the the things that you're doing may not uh, in and of themselves be sin, but because you think you're sinning doing it and because your motivation in it is, I know I'm doing something wrong, at that point, your action becomes sin because you're doing it on purpose Because and knowing that maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. It's funny, oftentimes when people come and ask about, you know, about something that they've done of, or was I, was I doing something wrong? Was I doing something wrong? It's like, well, probably not because you're worried about it. Like, I mean, <laughs> if you're, if you're worried about it, then, I mean, probably not a sin, but it could be. I mean, so it's it just, you, I think we have this grace in Christ that we can always, we can take everything to him. It talks about get, casting your anxieties on him because you care, because he cares for you. And I mean, I think that the, the our ethics have to be the same way. It's you know, do when you're making a decision about something that you're going to partake of, or something that you're going to ingest, or something that you're going to listen to or watch. Are you willing to take it up before the Father and say, "Is this okay by you?" 
Like, is this something that, that, because you made that statement, does this glorify God? I think that's exactly the action that accompanies it. If you were, if you were bringing that to God in the temple and and into, into his, into his presence, is it something that you would be willing to stand behind at that point? Or is it something stupid or damaging or dangerous? And I would add to that, would you bring it before other godly leaders? Mm Because that's the other issue. Because I think a lot of these decisions, they have to be made in community. Like the Holy Spirit leads us in these areas to, to that area of conscience where we make decisions. But those decisions should be made through community because mm-hmm. the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, Jeremiah yeah. seventeen nine. So sometimes we think we have license to do something and we really don't. We're just mm-hmm. playing games with God. Yeah. But usually if you get other people involved, they'll see through it. If they're godly, mm-hmm. if they're godly and you just shut up and listen, they'll mm-hmm. speak life into you and they'll tell you if that's if that's coming from your flesh or your spirit. Yeah. Um, so it's critical. Get other people involved on those gray areas. Yeah. Well, so I know that in this podcast, we didn't give you really hard, any hard and fast answers, so sorry about that. <laughs> but the reality is that's why this is a rivalry, and it's why it does call it does call for us to be in good relationship with the Father and, and having a good, authentic, and honest relationship with Him to where we can offer up these things that we, we want to do and say, and, you know, do the biblical thing of find any offensive way, see if there's any offensive way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. I mean that's that's part of what the call of ethics in our life is is to is to I mean part and that's part of what growing up is is analyzing what it is you're doing and saying is this something that is going to continue to see me mature in my my walk in Christ or is it going to make me continue to act like a teenager mm-hmm. um or worse than that a child yep. um because that is what sin does to most of us it was it reduces us back to children Throwing a throwing a, a temper tantrum because we didn't get the thing that we wanted, or doing something stupid or harmful because we want to do it. So anyway, uh, Jonathan, as we get to the end of this podcast, anything else you have for for the audience? Romans six uh, verse one: What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means is Paul's answer to his own question. And so I would kind of conclude with that thought mm-hmm. that. God has given us freedom in Jesus Christ, but we never just pursue sin. We don't. We don't take grace uh, as, for advantage. We we thank God for His grace, and then we walk in His grace to to glorify Him. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, mm-hmm. Paul says, do it all for the glory of God. So, even though your point earlier, Matt, we didn't just give you a clear cut. These are the bad things. These are mm-hmm. the right things. I hope we did give you a little bit of a a playbook to run, which to me, it comes back in full circle. Ask yourself, is that thing sin biblically? And yes, sometimes there are things that are labeled sin in the Bible. You need to be aware of those things. If the answer is no, will this bring glory to God and will it help others? Uh, let those things be your your guiding questions, and if you do so, I think you'll you'll learn how to make those right decisions in the gray areas. All right, friends. Well, we hope that this is helpful for you as you're continuing to navigate the tensions of these rivalries in your life, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Citizen ATX podcast. But until then, take care and keep asking good questions. Citizen.